Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast, the UK's number one podcast. Wait, number one podcast in general, not just NFL podcast. Hey, I don't know if it's true. I'm just writing what they give me. Anyway, I'm Nick Dunkerson, and joining me as ever today for um, the Inside Zone's NFL podcast is our editor-in-chief, Tom Like. Um, but for the first time today, we welcome Inside Zone's number one scouting head honcho, or some other mixed metaphor, Joel Bishop. Joel, welcome to the pod. Great to have you here. How are you doing? Doing great, and it's great to be on the podcast. Uh, can't wait to talk some uh, drafts for a change. As you can hear, um, Joel is on of our uh, diversity um, scheme, whereby we're not just having really boring English accents and the occasional yeah. American one. So we, a, we, are, we, are, we are open to the people of Wales. I am originally from Wales, but I have lost the accent. So there's really t- t- two Welshmen and an Englishmen in here, Nick. So tread, uh, tread lightly. Uh, and, I, and I am originally a Yorkshireman, and there are many in Yorkshire who claim that they are their own independent country. But let's not get into that because we're talking NFL and we're hurtling towards draft season. And so this episode is the first of our sort of positional overview podcast. Now, um, you might have seen Tom trailing this on Twitter last week. We were due to record it last week, but uh, I got ill, so deal with it. Um, But anyway, we're looking at wide receiver and running back positions up this week. So what I think we'll do, I think what we'll do is look at kind of the top few players, give some comparisons, scheme fits. um, And I'm also going to try and get you to name sort of an under-radar player to keep an eye out on on draft day and in future. Um, so, without further ado, let's get on with the show and let's talk running backs. It's a pretty deep draft for them. We've got sort of some elite talent, we've got some early-round talent, and by the sounds of it, there's going to be some potential mid-round steals. So, um, where better to start than at the very top? And a name some of you may have heard of in um, Penn State's Saquon Barkley. Barclays invited comparisons to top drafted backs of recent years, um, a bunch as well as a bunch of all pros and even Hall of Famers. Uh, Joel, you're the newbie here, so I'm going to go to you first. What stands out to you when you watch Barclays game? Um, well, first of all, when you watch his tape, he's an athletic freak. You, he just does things that not many others can do. It's the way he moves. He's just so quick. When he sees a hole, he's gone. But um, one of the things I do like him, he's an all-round back. Um, he's He's a good receiver as well as a runner. Um, I don't think he's as good as others say he is, but definitely he's um, the top five player in this draft. So um, I, I, I had a reaction there, Tom. Are you, um, are you all in on Saquon Barkley and not sure on Joel's hesitance? Yeah, I, I'd say when we compare him to previous backs who'd come out, I mean, he hasn't got the same injury uh, scares that had with told Gurley. He's more of an all-round back than than say Leonard Fournette was, and I think that his his burst away and his his vision probably is is better than that of Ezekiel Elliott. So I, I'm I I think if you're going to compare him to the recent early first-round p- draft picks, I, I'd I'd probably put him at the top with maybe Zeke just behind him. I'm the other way around. I have Ezekiel Elliott higher. I In find. Ca- <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to put it here because in case um, you don't know, Joel is a Cowboys fan. So um, <laughs> if I'm going to rib Tom about being a Dolphins fan, um, I might have to get that in. But go on, sorry. No, but the reason I have Zeke High is I see Ezekiel Elliott has better running back traits. So I find Ezekiel Elliott's vision is a bit better. I find his patience and decision-making as a running back is better. He's better pass protection. I mean, that that, that on tape was obvious. Like, if you looked him at Ohio, Ohio State, he was the sixth offensive lineman in that uh, team there. So, yeah. uh, But they, they're kind of on par as receivers. Um, I can't say yeah. one's better than the other. They are very close. The, the thing that but, does... The, sorry, sorry. The thing that does it for me with, with Barkley, though, is when you watch that Ohio State game this year, he took over, you can tell that he, even though he's got 10 pounds on Zeke, he ran a 4.4 flat, whereas Zeke ran a 4.47. So I think when, oh, yeah. when, when he does I, hit a hole, it, he's more likely to, to take it the distance, whereas Zeke might go... 60, 70 yards. I think I think Barkley's got that that home run ability. That's where he has the edge. Barkley's the better athlete. Um, yeah, I agree with that definitely. I just find those sort of running back traits is where I kind of like Ezekiel Elliott for that reason better. Um, whereas I do find there can be some laps of uh, you know decision making. A horn might appear and 
Barkley would have tried to go to the outside instead, whereas Elliot doesn't do that when he does see... He, he's much more patient. He'll wait for blocks to develop, and when those blocks do come, that's where Elliot's gone. But that's where I, I have Elliot over Barkley. And, but Barkley does have his issues, but um, he's still a great player. He's still top five for me. Yeah. The 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 athletic sweep thing is absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's a he, he's a big he's big by running back standards. Six foot on the taller side, two hundred thirty three pounds. Definitely on the bigger side, and yet four point four. The only um, guy at the combine who ran faster was um, North Carolina State gadget back Nyheim Hines, who <laughs> Nyheim Hines. Funny <laughs> saying that out loud is interesting. Um, who who ran barely faster. Um, Barkley had the biggest vertical jump and no one bench pressed more. Um, the only person who was level with him was um, uh, George's power back, Nick Chubb. Um, and it is going to be interesting for me sort of watching what he comes to learn in the things that he's lacking, Barkley, because the things that he's lacking, and that's a little bit of decision making, sometimes trying to make one juke too many so that when he gets tackled, he's getting swallowed up and he can't fall forward. Um, sometimes picking the narrow hole and he's still getting yards, but he's not getting as many yards as he could. Um, I think those are probably eminently coachable traits and they won't necessarily show in his first year in the league until the game, as it does for sort of maybe second year players, slows down for him. But I mean, he is sort of in college, a threat to score whenever he gets the ball to an insane degree. Um, I think I I, I, really like it. I I don't think his tape's been as good as say Leonard Fournette's 2015 tape, but we didn't get 2015 Leonard Fournette in the NFL. And Barkley's a different kind of player. I like him as a um, bags of potential as a pass catcher. Um, he hasn't had yeah. to do a whole heap. I think he's not had to do say as anywhere near as much as say a Christian McCaffrey. But it, it's not going to take him much to sort of be able to do in the NFL what McCaffrey did with the Panthers last year, which was essentially not being used to his full of his ability, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so what do we think with Barkley? Where does he get drafted? Who's going to grab him? Um, Tom, why don't you go first? He's going to fall to the Bucks. Woo. Just my prediction. Okay. I think the run on the quarterbacks, the Dolphins will be trading up there. You know, the Colts are going to trade out the six pick. There's going to be a run on quarterbacks. The Giants are going to take Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson. And there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. And I think the Broncos will take... Denzel Ward, try and you know rebuild that no fly zone back there, and I, I think I honestly believe that he's going to fall to the Bucks at seven. I think Browns go quarterback, Giants guard or defense, Jets quarterback, Browns will probably take I don't know maybe a defensive playmaker, maybe something like a Minka Fitzpatrick, or I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like a Derwin James go that high up there. And then yeah, I, I think maybe if he falls to the Bucks at seven, or if not, the Browns at four. As as a fan of a fellow NFC South team, I really hope Barkley does not fall to the Bucks. What do you reckon, Joel? Do you reckon he lasts that long? I actually had him. Um, well, I, I stated quite a few months ago um, that Barkley is very, very possible to fall outside the top five, possibly going to seven at the Buccaneers. Uh, so I kind of agree with Tom there, definitely. Um, the Buccaneers, um, they could again, they could even pass, depending on the players who's there. Um, you look at the value of the running back position, they may feel another position is more worthy, but I also look at the Colts just before uh, the Bucks at six. They could possibly go with Barkley there, depending who's available, especially if someone like Bradley Chubb has been taken before, let's say, at number four to the Browns. I think Bradley Chubb can go there. If, if the Giants don't go quarterback, I think the Giants could definitely go uh, Bradley Chubb at pick number two. I wouldn't be uh, surprised with that because um, shipping off Pierre Paul, it, it, it is something they could look at. A uh, pass rusher is more valuable than a running back. And I actually, on my own board, I do have Chubb above Barkley, as in pass rusher Chubb now. And that, that's how they won those Super Bowls, wasn't it? They had that really, it all started with that D line, you know, putting pressure on obviously Brady in the Super Bowls. And that, and that Eli went mental. So that, that's kind of how they won the Super Bowls. But that, that was their yeah. DNA. For me, if if the if the Giants don't go quarterback at number two, I think they don't like the quarterback uh, class. That's what I'm thinking. It's rare that they get to pick at number two. Uh, for me, you know that team is not as bad as it suggests on where they're picking in the draft. So if they don't go quarterback, for me, it's they don't like the class. Or they think uh, they, Eli's got another shot at the Super Bowl. And they, they're going to ride that, yeah, that and, two three year window. Yeah, I think it's a, a win now situation that would have to be or. Do they like Davis Webb? That's another factor there. So I think 
it's either there's three possible choices. They got someone like they got a quarterback. Is a is Rosen there? Um, do they want uh, a Mayfield type of player? Um, do they want Chubb as a pass rusher? Do they want a pass rusher? Or the other option is they could sell that pick for so much. I mean, they've holding that spot runs, and they could they could get as much as they can out of that. Um, look at the Jets trading up to number three. That was a desperate trade up. They know when you trade that much picks to go to number three, knowing that you can't guarantee the quarterback you need. That is a bit of desperation there. And another team could look at that trade and go, well, I want to beat the Jets to the quarterback. So don't rule out the Bills or even the Cardinals uh, moving up there. It's, um, I mean, it, what, one thing I guess that might, and this is going to be a wonderful segue, that might work against um, Barclays um, draft stock. And I'm I'm going to leave leave Tom alone for predicting Denzel Ward to go um, before Saquon Barkley and we'll have worse later. Um <laughs> John Elway. Oh yeah, John Elway can't draft, I forgot. Um, (laughs) There are a lot of players um, we're noticing sort of getting, a lot of running backs getting around sort of late first to late second round grades, a lot of potential three down backs who perhaps it doesn't make the cost of taking a running back. Um, So, I mean, just throwing out some names out there, we've got Darius Geis, Darius, I can't say his name, does anyone want to have a go? Darius Geis. Geis? Geis. Geis. Darius Geis, yeah. Um, uh, the interesting part about guys is the fact that um, I've heard a lot of rumblings that uh, it's some teams are going to have guys above Barkley, and I don't see a problem with that either. <laughs> it has, Joel it, it, is coming on with fire takes here. Yeah. Go on, yeah, Joel. I, I'm I just saying, don't be surprised by that, because look at the way guys runs. I mean, 2017, okay, not the best here, but 2016, he was phenomenal. He was much quicker, and he's a tough runner. He's got really good vision. He's, he, he, the stuff that um, Barkley can do, uh, guys can do it as well. Just Barkley's a bit quicker. He's much more um, talented as an athlete. But guys, he, he's he got that sort of Marshall Lynch style to his game. Some teams are going to like that. And uh, yes, so, but I've also heard little other things of off-field concerns, um, which I've heard rumblings about that. Unfortunately, I can't find out what they are. So he could drop, he could drop or he could go high. It's where guys is going to go in this draft is going to be actually quite interesting. I, I mean, it, when, when for, for my part, when people start mumbling about off-field concerns but don't actually um, extrapolate what they are, I think they're generally talking out of their. Uh, yeah. um, I, I Smokes, like guys. Smokescreen, perhaps. Guys, I think it's my number two um, back. I think no. it's a, 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 um, it's a non-controversial opinion, but Tom obviously has different. Um, and I, I do like the Marshawn Lynch comparison because you sort of think of Lynch and you think of these bulldozing runs all the time through the middle, and he does do that, and guys does do that. But the thing with both of them is that that's not entirely what their game is about. They're not just exactly. power back. Lynch was always shifty. He used to like to kind of yeah. power around the outside or suddenly cut in. Um, I've not I've not seen a back who loves a kind of an outside run more than Darius Geis in years. Um, you can sort of see the glee in it just this run. I don't know if that's me looking in strange things. The other thing that Lynch has that um, Geis has is really sort of quite impressive pass blocking. Um, yeah, and. He shows good timing for this, and that's quite that's quite a skill. I think it really bodes well for guys getting action early. Um, I think my issue with them is that he doesn't tend to appear elite in any single area. He's a good bulldozing back. He's a good shifty back. He's not he's not obviously as athletic as Barkley. Um, I don't think he's quite got the same breakaway speed. Um, but he's got more moves. He can spin. He can swipe. But Tom doesn't like him. Why not, Tom? Because Sony Michelle the, the, is the number two running back in this class. Simple as that. Go on, tell, tell, tell us about Sony Michelle then. So he's got an inch on Alvin Kamara and he's six pounds heavier than Kamara, but he ran a 4.46 versus Kamara's 4.56 and he had a much more impressive 20-yard shuttle if, if people are looking at the combine. And I know he's not going to bulldoze over people, but he's more of an outside runner, elusive back in space. And To me, he, he looks like a Lamar Miller, Kareem Hunt type person, whereas guys, people might be a bit concerned with what they saw this year with the tape. That, that's all I'm going to say. So I've got, it is, I've got, it, it I've got Michelle concern, second. Yeah. It's definitely a concern because when his burst wasn't as quick as in, 2000, in 2016, you start to think, right, is this going to be a long-term thing? Is, it, is he going to get back to what he was in 2016? Because with, with guys, he, 
he's, he is a very good uh, running back. Uh, he shows patience as a runner. Uh, watch the way he plants his foot, cuts and go. He's he's still a fantastic. And for, he still sinks, sinks his hips, changes direction. There's a lot to like about Geis, but I actually have a different number two to Tom. Oh, and so Geis is number three on my board. But I do have a different number two running back. Who Who is it then? It's Ronald Jones. Oh, oh no! Not in my top, not in my top five. Oh, it's gonna be the last appearance of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I look at Ronald Jones and I see a lumbering one cut back with limited vision. Um, <laughs> what, what, what am I missing? Convince us, Joel. Okay, for me, I do see uh, excellent cutting ability. I think he explodes off out of the backfield. Um, you know, he, you know, he, he loose, he's got loose hips. He sinks. He changes directions. He. he he hits top speed so quick, and what I do like about him is his pro comparison is identical. It's uh, you want to know his comparison, in my opinion, it's yep. Jamal Charles. He is Jamal mm-hmm. Charles clone. Look, I don't, watch, I don't. watch the way they both run. He's got they got, they got the exact same jersey numbers. It's it's so so identical as a runner. He's him him and Jamal Charles are very similar on tape. Um, of course, um, for the quick back, he does actually break through a lot of tackles, um, which you wouldn't expect. But he is a uh, really good runner. He's that's I, why I, for me he's number two. I, I do have a sort of a general problem with um, one cutbacks where the thing if you're any, if you're going to sort of be the sort of runner to go east-west and then suddenly dive through a hole. You've got to make sure that you've got the vision, that you can hit the right hole. What I saw of Ronald Jones for USC was, time and again, he was just missing. He was kind of suddenly making the cut into a um, into a tackle. And it just... he Yeah, maybe he's got breakaway speed. We don't know because, um, unfortunately, he pulled his hammy um, while running the 40, which, at the combine, which is a bit of a shame. And he, he does look at it. But if he can't get through, if he can't pick the right hole in, in college game, that's going to be much more pronounced in the NFL where there yeah. is there, there are tighter gaps, there's better scheming, players are just under more pressure. And I, I just don't like, I think, um, I mean, sort of think, thinking of sort of players like someone like a DeMarco Murray who has shown that he has had the ability to make the cut when he's been playing behind a good O-line. Maybe Ronald Jones could behind a good O line, but I just, I, I, I don't have confidence in his vision. Uh, for, well, for me, it's, I don't, I don't really mind his vision. What I put on my weaknesses was the fact that um, he needs to develop a, like much better patience because the second he's given the ball, he's, he, well, because how, how quick he is, how explosive he is. Um, the second he's given the ball, he's going straight to um, the nearest uh, crease he can find, and for me, he just needs to hold the ball a little bit longer, let those blocks develop, and once he can, then he can explode. Yeah, But, but for me, he's got all his traits to so, be... Um, a, the way Jamal Charles was in his prime, that's where I can see this player can become. For me, Ronald Jones, he's not, he's not in my top five, because I know Nick told us to, to, to come up with a top five, but he is the second, <laughs> second, second biggest boom or bust running back in this class behind my number five, Carry on Johnson, who when when you watch, I know we're going to, we're going to segue here, but when you watch Johnson, I was going to come on to Johnson. It's, so we'll it's kind of like yeah. watching. It's, I know this sounds ridiculous, and it might be hallucinating here, but it does sound like he he, he looks a bit like Le'Veon Bell. The, the way he has that, he must have been watching him this year. And his style, where he's so, I'm, I'm going to use that word patience, which everyone yeah. says about Le, about Lev Bell, but. I mean, the way he waits for things to develop before exploding upfield, it, it's remarkable. And then other times he, he, he I don't know, it's, it, it, he's so boom or bust. I mean, if he gets in the right scheme, carry uh, on Johnson, I mean, probably a more accurate comparison because I know Nick also told us to do pro comparisons, which I was desperately trying to think of one here. So carry on Johnson, I mean, he's got the ceiling of Lev Bell, but I think yeah. more expectation could be a, a Tevin Coleman type running back. I was going to say, um, this. I've seen the the sort of bell comparisons with Johnson. It, it definitely has that sort of um, playing style with the uh, with the patience. It's one of the first things I noticed uh, when I watched the tape is how patient he is. But, and he does have that Tevin Coleman build, but I've given him a pro comparison to DeMarco Murray because yeah, they're both that yeah. sort of 6-1 backs. Yeah. Uh, they're not the, the, DeMarco Murray's not the quickest. He's not going to blaze with speed, but Murray, the one he's thing shifty. he did... He was very, he was shifty, but he was so patient. He, he always waited for blocks to develop, especially when I watched uh, 
uh, Murray in Dallas. It's one of the things you liked about him, how patient he was, north to south runner, which um, Johnson could be. Um, they both, you know, because cause of the way they built high cut a little bit, um, they're going to be a little um, upright as runners. But um, that's what I do see as a pro comparison. I do see a little bit of DeMarco Murray in Johnson. Yeah. So that, I mean, for me, that's... Um, in terms of backs that I've seen discussed, I think we've kind of covered this kind of the next. Well, we haven't we haven't mentioned Nick Chubb. I mean, does anyone have a decent grade on Nick Chubb? Love Nick because, Chubb. Yeah, I I I mean, he he looks such a different player for me since his injury, and it's a bit of a shame. And he's just yeah. not got the kind of the power and the confidence for yeah. me. So I've I've sort of I've sort of brushed over him. Um, you're no, welcome four. to. I've got him for. I mean, he te- he tested better than I thought he because obviously being a, a Bulldogs fan, he he I always kind of he was he was the thunder. Georgia native Tom Like. He was he was the thunder and Michelle was the lightning. But I was surprised at how well Chubb tested because he's more of that north south bulldoze power type back. But he put up good numbers and I've got him number four. So shall I, shall I read off my my one to five of my pro comparison, Nick? Uh, if you want to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I see. Mean, I will, see how yours give, given that it's kind of organically come into the conversation here, I think I'm not I'm not overly um Okay. Well, go on, Tom Tom, I'll humor you. Read it. On. Number one I've got Barkley. We'll say yeah. one. Pro comparison David Johnson. Are yeah, I, I I've got I've got David Johnson and Matt Forte would be the other one. Yeah. Joel, who, who, who've you got for the comparison there? Oh you know, comparison pro comparison is one of my worst things. So I don't really have them for Barkley, but um yeah, I would, I would kind of. What you guys have for him is pretty much. Uh, I, I kind of agree there. Yeah, and then number two, I've got Sony Michelle. Pro comparison: Kareem Hunt, Lamar Miller. Is that fair? Do we kind of see? I actually, yeah, I do see Kareem Hunt in him. That was where I was kind of going with uh, Michelle. Number three, uh, Darius. I'm oh, sorry, Nick. What were you going to say? No, 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 no. You, you go for it. You're in. You're in. You're in your flow. Number three, Darius Geis. Pro comparison: Beast Mode. Same measurables. Same, yeah. same build, similar style, attitude of the football. Number four, I've got Nick Chubb, and my pro comparison was Frank Gore at the Forty ers not at the Colts. <laughs> yeah, that actually, that's pretty fair. Um, with me, uh, well, um, I was going to say I was going to give him my pro comparison, but I could wait and do my one to five if you'd like. <laughs> Go on, here's your pro comparison. Uh, my pro-, pro comparison for Nick Chubb would be more of an Alfred Morris. Yeah, that sort yeah, of, that's um, fair. yeah, I can see that. Yeah, thick, thick back. Um, you know, they both show some speed. They Nick Chubb doesn't show much of a, you know, as a pass catch on tape. There's not, there's not, I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just the sample size is so small. It's the same with Alfred Morris in the NFL. Didn't do much as a receiver. Again, as pass blockers, they both don't do much as well. So you do see mainly as a solid runner is what um, Nick Chubb and Alfred Morris both have. Yeah. And then num- number five, I've got carry on Johnson from Auburn. And I've said my program comparison already, Tevin Coleman. I feel, I feel like Johnson's a bit more of a bulldozer than um, Tevin Coleman. Um, he, did, he seemed to kind of just kind of, he's a bit I lean. Like, I, he's a bit I lean. Didn't, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I mean, yeah. if, if you wanted um who I've completely forgotten his name, but who was the, um, uh, Dolphins running back in 2008 when they just played the whole season out of the wildcat because he seemed well, like Williams. a jock. No, not Ricky Williams. Um, Ronnie something or other. Uh, Ronnie Brown. Ronnie Brown, yeah. <laughs> It'd be a funny one. Um, it did seem like uh, Johnson takes a heck of a lot of snaps out of the wildcat for Auburn. It does, yeah. And I, did, I, I didn't like Auburn's O-line, but I did think he was finding his way through pretty impressively um, quite often. So I haven't given a program comparison because I didn't want to. And my sleeper... Because I know you told us to do a sleeper so, did, as well. I, I was I was going to come on to this now. Um, I don't know if um, if how, how does your top five compare to um, Tom's Joel? Um, quite different. Um, so I got Saquon Barkley's number one. Mm-hmm. But I got Ronald Jones as number two. Controversial um, choice. Yeah. Ronald Jones. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a team takes him quite high simply because of the Jamal Charles comparison. And I, and I know I'm not the only one who's um, uh, compared him to that. He's He's even agreed to himself that oh, I, well, I could. He said, um, "I can't remember if it was at the combine, but he says, yeah, I, could, I, uh, I, you know, I, I copy my game to Jamal Charles.' But the thing is, he, they wear the same jersey number and everything. I'm not saying the jersey numbers is comparison, but you, you watch what he does on tape is very, very Jamal Charles. And uh, number three, I've got Darius Geis. 
guys, Marshall and Lynch, agree with Tom there. As Mike Pokopas and two, you both see them. Just you know, they're more than just power backs. They got speed and loose enough as loose enough as well. And number four, Sonny Michel. I do see that Kareem Hunt sort of player. Um, not quite. Uh, I know some people say he's Alvin Kamara. Uh, Alvin Kamara is more explosive to me than Sonny Michel is. And then Kerryon Johnson's my number five back. Kerryon Johnson for me, I've given that DeMarco Murray sort of uh, pro comparison. I do, so, I do see that sort of. They're not the most explosive guys. They're not going to outrun you, but. They're patient, they wait for the uh, blocks to develop and they kind of jump through the crowd. They, they try and get through as much uh, bodies as possible without speed. They just know to sort of use their legs and get through. So, um, Joe, moving on to the bit that Tom nearly swallowed, who's your sleeper as a running back, Joel? Right, with a sleeper, this sort of running back, um, only because uh, only bec- he's slowing down over tape, which is the um, worry there. But um, the back I'm talking about would be Royce Freeman from Oregon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's simply because you do see a guy with good vision. You do see a guy, you know, he's been successful. He hasn't, he's an inside zone sort of runner. Um, you look at the scheme that they uh, run there at uh, Oregon. You know, he's he's quite an impressive build. He's quite muscular. So he's got, you know, you know he's got good balance. The only problem with him is that um, you know he doesn't play to his size. You know he is about in that 230 range. Doesn't always sort of play there. He can be a little tight as tight as an athlete, and um, you know that seems to be. You know, he's, he's, when it comes to loose enough, um, you watch him in the open field. He's not going to make you miss. He does have that sort of thing. But for me, if someone drafts him, his running style can get him a starting job, uh, especially in a poor backfield. So. He's someone I want to keep an eye on because uh, if someone with a already good starting running back, you might not see much too of it, too much of him. But someone who kind of needs running back help and they've waited to the middle rounds, I think Royce Freeman could. You might hear his name in the NFL quite a few times. How about you, Tom? Who are you eyeing up that's gone a bit under the radar? Well, for those who who don't know this sleeper, I'll give them a quick twenty-five second pitch just to get you accustomed. Uh, Kalen Balage. Balage, is that it? Arizona State, Sun Devil. So he's six foot one, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds, which is the exact same measurable as Todd Gurley. Although coming out of Georgia, Gurley was six one, two two two, whereas now he plays at two two seven. He tested pretty much the exact same as Gurley probably would have tested. He's got a four point four six forty and a huge hundred and twelve inch broad jump. So to think, think the physical aspects of Todd Gurley. He's, he tested slightly better than David Johnson with same measurables. So he made headlines with his eight-touchdown performance versus Texas Tech, and he contributed on all four phases. He even returns kicks for the Sun Devils. He's not got that elite vision that puts him into the first round, but he's, he shouldn't be limited to an elusive scat back. He's athletic, tough, and when he hits a hole, he's able to run away from defenders or lower his shoulder and finish it falling forward. He can also line up in the slot, and I think his size allows him to pick up in pass protection, even though his technique isn't, isn't great. I think just the fact that he, he is, he's quite an imposing running back, he is able to you know, see off some blocks. Bottom line, I think, is if a team picks him up on day three, with the right mentoring and a good position coach, I think he could be a solid contributor, quickly work his way up depth charts. And my pro comparison is the Tavis Murray, but he flashes JGI, just not that same aggressiveness as a runner. Okay. Yeah, as that's uh, I have not watched much Arizona State football, so I'm going to take your word for that. Um, I'm not giving a sleep, unfortunately. I've not really, I don't really dived into the running backs this year. Um, sorry um, about that. <laughs> well, I do have another running back. That's why he was a sleeper. Throw, That's why he was a sleeper. There's another one I could throw in there. Um, John Kelly from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Now, unfortunately, Tennessee were um, not so impressive. But this sort of guy, he's a smaller back. He's 5'9". Um, but he's not going to be the sort of starting running back uh, you're going to get. But he's going to be a very good complementary back. Think of um, what Gillis he was with the, when he was with the Bills behind... Um, you know, uh, uh, Lashawn McCoy, here we go. And, um, so Kelly is a little undersized, but he's a tough runner. He's, he's a capable pass catcher. So you're gonna, he's, he's a guy who's going to be, um, going to be able to do that, but, um, he's going to be able to move the pile a little bit, but he doesn't have that sort of speed and burst as a starting running back. So John Kelly's a guy to keep an eye on. You might see him uh, as a very good complimentary, even in a committee style running back. I think he's, uh, he'd be a good pick later in the middle rounds. 
before we move on, I have to um, remember that I was reading, well, I, I was reading and having a look up some footage tape of um, San Diego State's Rashad Penny, who is probably, yeah, yeah, outside, outside the six that we discussed earlier, he's probably hovering at number seven. Some, I, I think from what I can remember, and I didn't have the proper run on him, that he was looking better than Ronald Jones to me. But we'll, we'll move on. There's some names there. There's all whole heaps of video online that you can go and watch and see who you want your team to back because um, draft. Because we're going to move on to the wide receiver position. And who'd be a wide receiver in the NFL? Eh? All you get is um, fans complaining you're a diva, posing cornerbacks trying to mash your face in, and then you get blamed for every drop because your GM has banned criticism of your errant second-year quarterback. Well, this crew do. And there's no real clear number one wide receiver in this year's class so i'm interested to see who's top of all of your list um joel who are you going for as number one my number one receiver for a while has been calvin ridley but um as we've been going back over the tape adding everything up i've got a new number one receiver and i think i'm going to stick with it this time go for it uh, this could be dj moore from maryland Ooh. Bloody hell, not number five on my list he's five. he's he's I an interesting he's prospect Good. He's such a good route runner. He's such a tough runner. And um, when the combine confirmed he was six foot, that just made everything so much easier. Because <laughs> so I was thinking, you know, is this a guy who's going to live on the outside? Yes, he can. Um, so this is a guy I think, he, you know, he shows a little bit of a Steve Smith sort of player. Yeah, He's, Steve I Smith. Think, yes. I think that's where DJ Moore mm. is um, going to be in the NFL. He's a good route runner. He's quarterback friendly. And you look at this, his tape at Maryland could have been better. Um, you know, he's been playing with, I, I can't remember the number of quarterbacks during his career. I think it was like eight or even more. I I need to count that back over. But um, yeah, he, he was a sort of receiver, who, even though he had all these different quarterbacks, he was still producing. And even some of the best receivers in the NFL with a different quarterback, they can really dip in production, but more just still found a way to produce. And that's that sort of trait there and um, teams are going to love because um, anything can happen to your starting quarterback. But if Bill Moore can always make himself available to, for a quarterback, then that's the sort of thing you want in this NFL. It's an, inter- it's an interesting point. I do, I do have um, sort of worries about um, how he's going to be in contested catches, but he's, he's, he's shifty and he's a willing runner rather than, say, Chris. But I, I really like his balance. I think he's just sort of has this ability just to stay up and just to make slight movements, just to get enough away from the tackle that he can carry on with the ball. Um, he's got good. I think I think he's one of like a lot of players in in the draft this year. He's good in a lot of areas, but not necessarily. You don't look at him as elite, but I do like the Steve Smith thing. I do think um, give him a bit of um, a bit of his chip on his shoulder, and I, I could probably yeah. become a DJ Moore fan. Trying to hear, trying to hear my comparison. Go for it. Uh, yeah, who's your comparison, Tom? A faster and twenty pound heavier Stefan Diggs. Yes, that is um, a good pro comparison there, Stefan Diggs, definitely. Because um, well, not not just the same school, but you know the guys who can play outside, they can play inside. But yeah, I would agree. He's a, he's a, you know he's a he's a tougher uh, Stefan Diggs in my opinion. Yeah. So Tom, who's your number one receiver? Cortland Sutton, SMU. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I like I like I like Cortland Sutton, but go on. Oh, I, oh, I struggle with Cortland Sutton. For people who for people who who ha- haven't don't know Cortland Sutton, just picture Alshon Jeffrey at his current playing weight, not not the two hundred and thirty pound one that came out of South Carolina, but he's kind of that prototypical big body, durable frame. You know, he's he, he's one of these guys who can go up and, and make a bad quarterback look good. He can high point the football. He's also got the breakaway speed where if you give him a slant or maybe you give him a you know a five and out, he's able to to beat that first defender with a stiff arm and can take it and extend the chains. Uh, I, I really like Cortland Sutton. I know a lot of people are, are quite low on him, but I think for me, he he is probably the, the easiest to say that that is a number one receiver in this class. Maybe Calvin Ridley, close second. One interesting thing about Cortland Sutton is how good his um, three-cone shuttle was at the Combine. So what this, um, what it says to me is that he's got sort of a bit of untapped agility and yeah. kind of change of direction. And you see it in his route running. I think his route running is good, is really good. He's got good hands, but he is tough. He's willing to use his strength to get open. And that, for so often for wide receivers, is the big difference between the college game and the NFL. Suddenly they're getting jammed by cornerbacks and they've got to get away. Cortland Sutton is tough. He's not afraid to give a good shove or um to get away from receiver he picks up a few too many opis but that might not be such a problem in the nfl or it might be even more problem um but he's got wiggle he's got good speed um he can get 
open downfield with his route running, with physicality, or just with his pure speed if he's a matched up against not a, not an elite fast corner. Um, I've seen Des Bryant as a comparison, and that makes a lot yeah. of sense for me with Colton Sutton. And I think it's sort of I've got him in a similar sort of late first round kind of. Um, area. The the only thing I would say is he went back to college and he didn't um, when he could have come out and would probably have been a late first round pick last year. And I don't think he got any better. Mm. So that that, yeah. that would be that that would be my only concern. Um, and sort of development. I mean, go, going back to um, I'm going to give my number one. Joel, you mentioned him earlier, Calvin Ridley. That is sort of a, been a big concern. Calvin Ridley coming out of um, college. He's a bit older than a lot of prospects, and he kind of broke out in his career later into his college career when he was a little bit older, and does that limit his ceiling? But what I see is a great sort of perimeter receiver with secure hands, sort of a heads-up player who can be a comfort blanket to a quarterback on a breakdown play. I think you, you can call him a sort of a, a possession receiver, despite the fact that he's got quite a... Um, Quite, quite a slight build. Um, what do you guys think of Calvin Ridley then? Given that I was expecting someone before me to say he was going to be the number one um, receiver, and yeah, got what, what do you think? What do you think of him, Tom? Um, Calvin Ridley, yeah, I, I, he's definitely the most polished route runner in in this class by far. I think he was so underutilized at Alabama. It's difficult to judge. I mean, even just watching that heart wrenching national championship game, which I, I haven't managed to review the tape of just yet it's still georgia native tom like still, still too painful but uh but no i mean i mean they they changed their callback at half time because he was getting so wide open it was it was unbelievable really but um, the thing with ridley is he's six he's one and is he gonna be able to i know his route running is great but is he gonna be able to like sutton separate on the line of scrimmage i mean at the nfl level the the more and more teams are drafting these six two six three uh Jalen Ramsey type press corners and I'm just worried that some of these guys on our list you know the DJ Moores the, the Christian Kirks the Calvin Ridley's you know the sub six twos are they able to separate in the NFL that and he, he didn't really blow anything out the park testing wise and I, I believe didn't he come in at low less than six one wasn't he about he was about six foot wasn't he was he was he about six I think I've got I've got I've got him down at six foot yeah, and he and he was he was less than like was he under like one nine five? How much did he weigh? What, he, was, what, he was at one eight nine at the combine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, yeah. But a four a four forty three, he ran in a forty, which was fast. And if he's just if he's going to be able, the thing that he's got is he's got that route running, and if that can get him open, and that you know, it good route running has made given decent NFL careers to people who are really athletically ungifted. I sort of think, think of someone like, um, do you remember Stevie Johnson's on the Chargers? You know, literally the only thing he could do was run routes, but he kept having a career for quite a while. And I think, I think Ridley's, that's not the comparison that I use for Ridley. I think he's sort of, he's the player that people hoped they were getting and weren't actually getting with Nelson Aguilar, um, would be sort of what I would say. I mean, but Aguilar has now found a home in a slot. Who knows? Maybe that will be where Ridley goes with the route running, but with the good breakaway speed. I, I, I like him. I, I, I think him, him being number one sort of is more sort of for me a, some a lack of confidence in kind of the next batch of receivers. Yeah. Um, and and sort, sort of coming on to them, that there, there are a lot of players who, um, at first glance, and this isn't necessarily a good description, but that you might think of as slot receivers. So um, under six foot receivers is probably your or slight receivers is probably a better way to describe them. We've got people like um, Texas A&M's Christian Kirk, uh, Memphis's Anthony Miller, um, Oklahoma State's James Washington, who is an unusual player that he basically looks like a running back. Um, what what do we think of those? Are we are we kind of putting those guys in our top fives? Uh, I've got... So, go on, Joel. Tommy, Joel, go first. I was saying, going back to Ridley. Uh, um, I think when it comes to his age, I don't think that's so much of a problem because I find that. So, well, I've noticed a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Oh, he's 24. Um, you know, shouldn't draft him um, that early." I'm thinking, well, you're going to draft a guy who's 22 years old who can't run routes as well, and then when he finally gets to 24, he finally reaches Calvin Ridley's level, or maybe nowhere near still. So for me, age is not a problem because he's already day one ready. He's going to come into a team and he's going to be like, uh, he's going to be effective day one. So that's usually the hardest thing as a receiver to learn in the NFL is the is the route running and learning the offense, which Cam really already has. So I kind of don't worry about the age. It's more about the lean build that uh, worries me. Um, going back to Cortland Sutton, I do have many issues with him. 
especially. I, I, I don't see a guy who separates that well. Uh, I, would like to, I would like him to be a lot more physical for a guy his size. He's definitely, he can become a Des Bryant sort of player. He does have that build, you know, that sort of 6'3", really, really perfectly looking on the field. Um, my worry, my biggest worry for Sutton, of course, would be is, is the offense at SMU. That sort of spread, didn't ask him to do much. It's a, that's going to be a huge jump. So you could get, with Sutton, you can either get Des Bryant, that sort of player, or you could get a Corn Treadwell, which is the really big worry. This is why I'm not so high on Sutton at the moment. So I'm kind of wary of Sutton. He's, he's, for me, he's, he's a boom or bust sort of player. Um, so he's got the high, one of the highest ceilings of any of these receivers, but he also has quite a bust potential. That's in my opinion there. Yeah, I mean, and going back, I agree with what Joel just said. There's definitely some red flags, but I mean, going back to Nixon about the, the shorter receivers, I mean, I'll just read off my one to five just, just so you know. I've, I've got three, you know, shorter, if, if we want to term that way or however Nick worded it, receivers. So I've got Sutton at number one, Ridley's two, and then I've got Christian Kirk at three. He's he's that kind of that smaller type receiver. Number four could be controversial. I've got Equinemius St. Brown. And then number five, I've got DJ Moore. So, you know, three but, shorter guys in there. St. So, so Brown I was actually going to have as my sort of um, sleeper just so I got to... Because I think he's probably going to end up in the third round. But yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting. I mean, th- there is this kind of bevy of slot receivers. And do you think that... And to, to Just to pick one uh, from here, Christian Kirk is massively productive at Texas A&M pretty much from the moment that he got on the pitch. I mean, Field, do you, do you think he's kind of he's got what it takes to be worth an early round pick because I didn't see much of him anywhere outside the slot. And yeah, slot, that's... Re- slot receiver does seem to be to be the thing, like with running backs in that, yes, it's a very important position, but you can pick one up relatively later. You look at how, how long people like Cole Beasley or... Um, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Julian Edelman lasted in the draft. Yeah. Obviously, Edelman was a, a slightly different issue, but yeah. I mean that's that's my worry with a slot rece- picking a slot receiver that early. Yeah, that's, that's that, that is the thing with this draft, and there's so many players in this uh, draft class that can play slot. There's only two really, well, not two. There's like there's a, a in terms of high quality, there's only a certain number of outside receivers like like a Saint Brown or a Cortland Sutton, whereas a lot of the others are they can play outside, but they could also play inside really well. So if you do need a Christian Kirk player. You don't have to take him early. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. People may wait a little bit later. He could slide for those reasons. Um, some, and I'd, I think you've all noticed with, with people's um, receiver rankings, no one's got the same rankings in, yeah. at all. Yeah. It's so chop and change because they're that similar. They, they're not. It's hard to separate them. There's so many things to like about these different receivers. And there's no, you know, there's, there's no DeAndre Hopkins. There's no Holy Johnson's in this draft class. So yeah. people are just going to have a different variety of opinions on these guys. I think, and, I, and I, I guess this is why sort of so much money was given to Sammy Watkins and um, Alan Robinson free agency as out, outside receivers who, you know, you can pretty much count. I mean, Robinson, yeah, you don't. Know, you can, but you can pretty much count on them being able to kind of come in and do the sort of things that you don't know whether, you know, whether a first round pick can even do. And we know that wide receivers start slowly, but. Um, we've seen a few cases in recent years. Um, ever since that superb draft in 2014, we haven't really had many receivers coming through and playing at a top level from the early round, from the first round. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And and I would say that um, we look at last year's draft. Um, obviously, very unfortunate due to injuries. So, um, like Corey Davis is my number one receiver from last year. Very unfortunate to have the injuries. He's a guy who you know, he shows on tape. You know, he's a big guy, but he's also separate. He moves like a smaller guy. Um, Mike Williams had a lot to like about him. He was my second receiver, and again, injuries uh, wasn't the best year for John Ross. So yeah, people may be wary of these sort of players. <laughs> but it, it, interesting thing is that it wasn't a great year for the next couple down as well, and Zay Jones and um, Curtis Samuel, and he had to go right to the back of the second with Juju Smith-Schuster, who. Yeah. Was an interesting one because his his he went from being a probable first round pick to um, basically back end of the second in his final year in college. Um, now, 
there are a lot of names that I've seen hovering around the middle rounds again, just like with the wide receivers, who could potentially be um, sleepers. I mean, I've gone, f- I've, I've said Equinemius, um, so I'm going to give him his full name, Equinemius Tristan Imhotep Jason Brown. It is a fantastic name. Brilliant. It is an all-time name. Because um, I think he's probably going to slide to the third round. He's a sort of um, what Michael Thomas was coming out of Ohio State. He's a sort of... Um, fantastic slant and kind of bombs sort of receiver but he's got great cans he's got a fantastic kind of twist in his body and he can contort to get the contort to get in a position to catch the ball he could improve his hands a little but i, I think he could potentially be a pretty decent pickup and someone who um with a kind of a, a year or so of um kind of exposure to an nfl offense and exposure to nfl route running could become a really, really good player. But other names that are, that are sort of hovering around, um, I'm just going to throw out there, Deshaun Hamilton, uh, Simi Cobbs Jr., Michael Gallup, Dante Pettis. Um, who are your sort of um, mid-round kind of sleepers who could kind of have, a, say, something like a Stefan Diggs-type impact just to pick uh, someone who went on day three who has obviously been a pretty good player in the last couple of years? Uh, do you want to go first, Tom? Yep, so... Uh... Mine here is someone I don't think I've heard anyone talking about, and that is Javon Wims out of Georgia. So he's he's six foot six. He's absolutely massive, but he's only about two hundred and fifteen pounds. So he's got quite a slight frame. But I think you know maybe one or two years in the NFL in some strength and conditioning program could get him up to about two two five. But the six six. I mean, we talk about how good these Christian Kirks did. You just just to interrupt you, he uh, measured at six three at the combine. Oh, did he? Oh, well, yeah. He's still tall. Six, six, three, son. <laughs> the, the point is still valid that his catch radius is much bigger than some of these smaller slot receivers. So he's six, three, six, six, debatable here. Two, fifteen, and runs a four, five, three with 30, 33 and a half inch vertical. And the thing that it doesn't matter whether he's six, three or six, six, whatever it is. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got a really impressive high point in the ball. And he's kind of got that... I've really Ke- psyched you out there, haven't I? <laughs> Kemba Devontae Parker coming out of Louisville, how he used to just make unbelievable 50-50 catches in college where he seemed to perfectly time his jump and catch the ball and he could bully and bring down 50-50 balls against small defenders. He's, he's kind of got that. Um, the weakness is that he's too easily beat at the line of scrimmage and it's quite difficult for him to work away from press coverage. I think if he has that, adds that 10 to 15 pounds without compromising the speed, he could probably be... My comparison for him was was if he polishes his route running and add, adds bulk, his ceiling is Brandon Marshall. And Ooh. people could get that with a, with a day three project pick. So I think he's definitely a sleeper that someone might take a fly on, flyer on in, in round five, round six, and try, try and train him up. How about you, Joe? I mean, I'm presuming, given that Tom says that no one's talking about him, um, that you've not watched much Javon Wims, but... If if you have, go for it. Otherwise, who's your uh, sort of sleeper kind of round three or later pick for us? For me, for me, this guy. Um, I'm not saying a sleeper because I think he, you know he's he's he's, you know, he's brilliant, but it's just a, a mixture of things. Antonio Callaway from Florida. Now this is a guy who is he's electric. He's an exceptional athlete, but man, that guy he's got so much off-field issues. Do. Does someone take him early because of the potential? Does someone take him late because, well, the off-field worries? What do you do with him? And that, that is going to be an interesting thing to watch on uh, during the draft. Does he go undrafted? I don't know. Does he go late? Does he go day three? Does he go day two? Um, a guy who might be a sleeper for a day one pick, only because it reminds me of the sort of Will Fuller uh, pick, is DJ Chark. From LSU. Okay. Because um, people, people like these guys yeah. who stretch the field and separate. I think DJ Chark, oh, he, he's so inconsistent sometimes. You see he make these incredible plays, and then all of a sudden he just drops the ball, and you're thinking, you should have just, why didn't you make that play? So DJ Chark, I knew he's, what he was going to do at the combine, and people were going to think, is he going to leap himself up to early second round? Is he going to sneak in the first? Because he can run that sort of um, you know, speed. Um, people did it with Will Fuller. Um, I mean, you know, he did, Will Fuller wasn't a first-round player, but people are excited about the speed. So, don't be surprised that DJ Chark, DJ Chark was earlier than expected. Yeah, I mean, DJ Chark is an interesting one. It's been it's been so hard for um, in the past few years for receivers at LSU to get noticed, given that they've had such abysmal quarterback play. And definitely. It's yeah. I mean, it, it, it's been it's been notable. I'm not an LSU fan because I'm not a college 
to support a football team. But obviously, following the sites, you see a lot of them, and you see a lot of talking about. And it's um, yeah, it, it would be in- it'll be interesting to see where he goes um, because he is incredibly quick, incredibly sort of you know he's he's terrifying in how he can stretch the field, but he's also um, to cite someone like Ted Ginn, he's terrifying because you just don't know if he's going to come down with a ball when it's oh, kind of Ted Ginn, hovering, yeah. hovering, <laughs> hovering f- falling gently right into the egg basket. Bloody Ted um, Ginn. So, anyone want to give another shout out for any wide receiver? I've seen a lot of talk um, from Michael Gallup of Colorado stay. Um, Read my mind. An interesting one. Yeah, Michael, he, he's good. Yeah. Go, go on. Tell, tell us about him, Joel. Yeah, read my mind, because Michael Gallup is about... If I go for my top five, it's DJ Moore, it's Calvin Ridley, number three is Anthony Miller, number four, Christian Kirk, number five, Equinemia St. Brown, number six, Michael Gallup. Now, what I do like about Gallup, um, you know, he's a, below, he's a little free as a route runner. He's not perfect yet, but he, he, you, know, you see the work in progress there, so it's not a lost cause. So he does look all right. There's still some rounding off. His stems are not perfect yet, but I wish he could be a little tougher on the line of scrimmage but when he's with the ball in his hands he reminds me a little bit of an Anquan Bolden style player so when he's with the ball in his hands he will try to look to run over you he's he's not he's not shy of contact I think Michael Gallup is a receiver that um might fly under the radar in in um the sort of uh, draft uh, process I think he's a guy who could um start for many years in this league and I do see he can become that sort of Bolden player you know that's what I see Gallup as a my sort of pro comparison for him. Interesting. I mean, there's there's a lot, there's a whole heap of names there. Um, I, I would say before we start talking about um, wrapping up the pod that obviously it's a little hard to find videos out there. Draft breakdown, which we've sh- we've um, pounded a table for in recent years, unfortunately no longer in operation. Um, it's you, you could still view their videos. So these are cut ups on YouTube of. Um, basically of game film highlighted on one player. There's a few other people out there doing it. If you want to look on YouTube for yourself, look at Cut Up Corner. Um, but generally, you're going to have to hunt around to find to watch, to find tape to watch your players that aren't basically kind of like people doing hype videos of their favourite footballer, which have to be um, one of the most irritating things on the internet. Um, so, well, that's been an, it's been an interesting part. A lot of names thrown out, hopefully a lot of people to watch, a lot of things to think about. Um, the less said about Ronald Jones as um, <laughs> top three <laughs> running back in the draft, the better. Um, and um, the much less said about Denzel Ward going between Saquon Barkley, the better, but moving on. Um, thanks for joining us this week. Um, we will be back soon, looking at another set of positions. Haven't firmed up the timetable yet, but it'll be another pair. Um or maybe a three, depending on what positions we go for. Um, so, Tom, Joel, thanks for joining us. Everyone, thanks for listening. In the meantime, check out the website, theinsidezone.com. We've got articles going up all week. Check out scouting reports. Um, we're taking a look at um, five potential targets for teams with their first-round picks. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at The Inside Zone, on Facebook at facebook.com slash insidezoneuk. And we're all on Twitter, too. So there's Tom, who is at TomLikeNFL. Um, Joel is Joel at JoelBishopFB, and I am, as ever, at long snaps ranked hope you enjoyed the show and see you all soon thanks for listening be sure to check out the website at www.theinsidezone.com till next time